Okay, hey guys, what's up? It's Helene and I'm back with another episode. Um, I promised myself that I would stick to a schedule of at least one recording a quarter and I'm in the middle of editing right now, um, but I do want to hold true to my promise of at least uploading it before the end of the quarter. Uh, so what I'm going to do is leave a clip that... Um, I was going to share at the end of the uh, the chat with you. Um, so that will be up for you to listen to until I have like the final version ready. And what this is, is a clip from a company meeting that we had. Uh, so I work in biotech. And, you know, with the whole COVID-19 outbreak that we're experiencing right now, this was one of the first meetings that we had where um, our staff was letting us know um what to expect about the uh, new infectious disease that's going around, uh, how they were going to prepare for it, how we should prepare for it, um, and things to know. Uh, so all of this is probably like late news already to everyone, um, but there are some really good bits in there that I think can help us like understand what it is that's going on behind the scenes to actually uh, create and find a cure for the COVID-19 outbreak. So enjoy um, the talk from our meeting. Um, it shouldn't take too long. Um, and then I will upload a re-release with um, all the other crazy things that I've been thinking about all year, but haven't had a chance to talk about it. All right. See you. If an individual, so these diagnostic tests help clinicians take care of people and individuals impacted. And we'll see more diagnostics come uh, to the fore and be approved over the ensuing weeks. And uh, obviously, uh, we want to make sure that every employee uh, and your family has access uh, to testing uh, if you are at risk. But testing is one part of it. And the next slide talks about how testing and sequence-based surveillance complement each other. So when you have a concern about if someone's infected, you need the PCR-based test to determine if they have disease, yes or no. Complementing that is sequencing-based surveillance. And surveillance is where you may take that sample, that positive sample, and you sequence the virus. Because you want to understand, one, you want to confirm that the PCR test was accurate. This was done and, and started to be routine to move to sequencing in China to ensure the positive were truly positive. You also want to understand that virus if in case it is evolving and mutating. So we know viruses mutate, and the, the COVID-19 virus seems to mutate at about two uh, base pairs a month when it's undergoing community-based transmission. And you want to make sure those mutations aren't impacting your diagnostic tests or any potential therapeutic targets. And that's why uh, understanding the viral genome is so important. In addition, surveillance, especially when you're using workflows that uh, cover are comprehensive, like a deep shotgun sequencing, which is performed, and we'll talk to that, or an enrichment-based uh, pan-ID sequencing approach where you're capturing the COVID-19 genome but you're also capturing other common respiratory pathogens. The important for those to cover other respiratory pathogens is frequently a virus such as COVID-19, the virus causing COVID-19, can decrease your immunity and there can be co-infection. 
And those co-infections can be more dangerous than the COVID-19 itself. Mm. And so you have to understand because obviously there are treatments if it was influenza A, influenza B, and we're still in influenza season mm. in the United States in the Northern Hemisphere. It's decreasing in, in frequency, but we're still in influenza season. So we have to be careful of that. And that's where um, we are working very hard to make sure that now that diagnostic tests seem to be ramping up, there's increasing effort and attention to sequencing labs around the globe to make sure they are set up uh, for to support surveillance. And so we've done several efforts. We anticipated this. And the next slide uh, shows two workflows, one of which that's already been released and another that will be re released shortly. You know, I really kudos to the, to the development team who rapidly put these together, um, wrote them up, generated the data, and, and put them through the approval process. But the first one is the shotgun metagenomic approach where deep shotgun sequencing, you can pull out the, you get a lot of host DNA but you can pull out the COVID uh, the sequencing for the coronavirus and identify whether the virus is present and determine the sequence of that specific coronavirus. That really works if you have deep sequencing because, you know, frequently we're recommending about 10 to 20 million reads for that in order to detect um, the virus. But we know right now, for example, the CDC is recommending, it's calling positive tests on their RT-PCR test if the CT is, is 40 or below. And that's, it leads to a big range of viral load. And sometimes, you know, even if you sequenced 100 of million reads, you may not detect it. An enrichment base is much more efficient and it also helps those labs that just can't handle uh, the deep, deep sequencing. And so Gary Shrouth, uh, Michael Oberholzer, and their teams have been working over years to develop a pan-ID enrichment-based uh, uh, workflow. And that workflow will be coming, will be forthcoming, and will be released for our customers. So whether it's someone who has deep sequencing and finds it more efficient to do a shotgun approach, or someone maybe has limited uh, sequencing uh, ability to deeply sequence, but has uh, is comfortable enrichment protocols, we have, we'll have two incredibly powerful workflows for them to uh, participate and sequence coronavirus and participate in surveillance. And so that workflow together uh, with, and how it fits in, you know, goes towards our overall approach of the core team to address uh, the, the coronavirus outbreak. And if we go to the next slide, there are two elements to that approach. There's a urgent, philanthropic approach where we're doing everything we can to make sure that access to our sequencing for those on the front line is not limited. And I'll show you a map of all the places that our teams are engaged, our commercial teams, our marketing teams, our product development teams, our medical teams, that we're all engaged, all hands on deck to make sure that there's access to Illumina sequencing to perform, to understand this virus, understand its transmission, its routes of transmission, and understand the best therapeutic approaches. Um, and, and, that's, and that includes empowering those labs with the two uh, workflows that I showed. We also are keeping in mind the long-term strategic elements 
So as a company, we've been interested in infectious disease. We've seen between interest in the microbiome and others growing interest, but we haven't invested heavily in it. And uh, what, what this outbreak highlights is that we are too reactive as a globe to infectious pandemics. We need to be proactive. We need to be, as a globe, we need to be more uh, prepared and, and ready to respond quickly. And so as we empower different labs in different parts of the globe, we are setting the stage for the world to take on a more proactive surveillance approach. We'll empower them with efficient workflows like the PAN-ID platform. And we'll really work across stakeholders. And there's incredible attention on this now by the Gates Foundation, the Milken Foundation, government foundations like the WHO and GISA. So there's incredible enthusiasm to say, well, okay, let's 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 make sure we address the problem now, but let's also think about what we can do to avoid this in the problem. How could we have detected this when it was still confined to Wuhan and take care of the people in Wuhan, but take the prudent measures to, to minimize it escaping outside of that region and outside of the, of the, the province and outside of the country? So we want to look at, at both parts. But I am really proud about what we're doing on the philanthropic, and the next slide gives you a, a, an idea of the, the scale and the scope. So similar, if we go to the next slide, similar to our, our, our business, we're global. And this is just a, a rough a map of the globe showing the pink areas where countries where our teams have meaningfully engaged either the CDC in the region or other health public health labs or labs servicing the public health to provide them with sequencers, provide them with reagents, consumables, workflows, and really importantly, expertise. Uh, our team, our field-based teams are incredibly uh, powerful in bringing their expertise to their labs and making sure that they have the sequencers and the reagents and the knowledge to do this kind of surveillance. And there are already fabulous stories uh, of how sequencing is helping to understand uh, the different strains in the regions and how that's making the regions better prepared and making informing decisions the regions are making to control the virus. I do, you know, the, the, the team that was first on it was China, and the next slide just talks and walks through some of the incredible work that they've done in China. And so as of uh, earlier this week, we've made cash donations to the China Red Cross, DDC reagent donations, and we've provided consumables. There are really good collaborations and partnerships. We're really sharing our expertise and enabling the China CDC to really get up to speed quickly so that they can do that um, confirmation sequence-based testing. And we've also gone into partnership with Vision Medical to make sure that there's an IVD available for the region, and that's underway. Um, as far as what have we placed, 20, ship, 20 systems have shipped, 19 were placed, and, uh, and uh, interestingly, Ching, uh, just, as, just as Francis said, uh, the investigators in China were very interested in, uh, when they heard about the Mexique 2000, and Ching was really interested in giving them uh, and having them act, giving them access to one of the first Mexique 2000s. And so the Nexic 2000 in its, in its extreme infancy is already helping out a major global pandemic. So congratulations to the team again for 
successfully getting the Nexi 2000 out. And then we have, again, more collaborations, communications. We're really working hard to, to raise awareness in China. So kudos to the China team helping. And you see the benefit, right? This, uh, the, the director general of the WHO considers this uh, exceptional because um, this virus is very transmissible. It's very contagious, but there's evidence that it still can be controlled. And it's that. And China has demonstrated with severe measures, with the social isolation, social distancing, uh, with the segregation, with with what they've in, implemented, they now have control are controlling disease. And obviously, we're seeing the rest of the world take on some of those measures and control it. The next uh, the next slide talks about a few actions outside of China that has happened since that I find particularly compelling. So up at the University of Washington. Um, we have the team was able to uh, provide a NextSeq 550 loaner system, provided kits on an urgent setting, and now uh, the the epidemiology of all the cases in Washington, which was obviously one of the first hotspots in the United States, is is being performed, and and we'll get more and more sequences and better and better understanding of the 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 infection in that area. Think about the work by Trevor Bedford, who's, you know, uh, communicating about this frequently. And his work has already shown that of the first 29 genomes he uh, sequenced, 25 were from the same cluster and all came out of that nursing home and from originally from China. But the other four were a combination of Europe and Iran. So it shows you that with sequencing, you can understand the routes of introduction of the virus into the community, and that can better hone the public health system on how to contain and prevent additional spread. In Japan, we provided an XSeq and an iSeq loaner to really, you know, ramp up capabilities for the ship that was in the dock. And uh, just think about um, the, pay, the individuals on that ship, and, 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 and just it, it's heartening to be able to provide some help to understanding the virus, the spread of the virus, et cetera. And uh, just earlier today, uh, I have to say, uh, I received a letter uh, from the Department of the Treasury that uh, it gives us permission to respond to the president of uh, the GS, uh, the Global Initiative to Share All uh, Influenza Disease, G, um, GSED, um, to provide a sequencer to Iran. So as a U.S. company, we were, we're not able to provide our technology to Iran, the country that's probably in the biggest need right now because of the embargo. But we put together, at the request of GISAID, we put together an application. And because our sequencing can add such value to them understanding the challenges they're facing with this infection, the U.S. government has given us permission. Now, we haven't delivered yet. There's a lot of uh, challenges to execution, but it's inspiring that our uh, our technology can be uh, can cross you know diplomatic challenges to make sure that we can get our technology to a very capable investigator at Tehran University Medical School, who's a WHO influenza site, um, in order to help with COVID nineteen in that country. Finally, I want to talk about another announcement that came out earlier today. And whereas we can do a lot of sequencing, and uh, a lot of our uh, a lot of our customers 
can um, find the signal in the, the shotgun sequencing. We've really needed a good partner to do the informatic side, and uh, the partnership with ID by DNA, which is the next slide, um, which we just announced, will really enable that. Uh, and so, with with that, um, you know, we're going to make sure that we really accelerate opportunities to take data from our sequencers and um, develop infectious disease tests. Uh, we, whereas um, for simple viral tests, you need PCR, there are now complex infections where you really want to immediately test for multiple pathogens. And ID by DNA has shown a clear uh, uh, market leadership in this area. And it's really exciting that we now have uh, a partnership. The team worked very hard. This work, this work, you know, this has been underway by Vanessa Motor, Michael Oberholzer, um, Gary Shrouth for some time. But as the pandemic uh, ramped up, because we really wanted to partner with ID by DNA uh, globally as quickly as possible, they uh, ex worked with the legal team and get to accelerate this contract in business development. And, and congratulations for the team. Very excited to see that. So in the last slide, um, again, uh, want to kind of start and uh, where I began and really uh, ask all of you to take care of yourselves and your families. Um, you know, follow the global guidance. We have extremely capable site leads at each of our locations and we're in communication with them frequently. They, so they understand the global guidance and they're able to figure out what's the best local execution. Um, as Francis said, this is not business as usual. Be flexible, be safe, 